Hello and welcome back to Tybee a Trash Problem. Today we are actually going to be talking about the water cycle and how important it is. Also on how pollution or trash can affect the water cycle. So let's go ahead and start. And so the water cycle has four main stages. The first stage is evaporation. Evaporation is taken from any bodies of water like the ocean or lakes. So it starts with the sun shining down on the water. So the water from whatever area it was in starts to evaporate due to the heat of the sun. And evaporation is just water turning into gas. And so when this water evaporates and turns into that gas called water vapor, and that water vapor will start to combine with other water vapor and then it finally turns into a cloud. And so clouds are really just made up of water. Also, some places don't need as much heat to evaporate their water. Even water from the ocean will just be water because the salt can't rise with the water. And snow and ice can also turn into water vapor. They don't even have to become water yet, since they are usually in places that have a low air pressure, then less energy is needed to make it evaporate, in which that process is called sublimation. An example of that happening is on Mount Everest which is one of the highest mountains on earth. And there's also another example of this, and it's dry ice. And if dry ice is put in water, or water is poured on top of it, it turns into a gas automatically, so it's sublimation. And a large percentage of water in the atmosphere is caused by this. Even though 90% of water vapor still comes from lakes and oceans and other water sources, that other 10% is made from all plant life on earth. So, I forgot to say, so when water evaporates off of a plant's leaves, it's called evapotranspiration, which causes it to be 10% of the Earth. So, the next one in line of the water cycle is called condensation. And condensation is when water vapor that has risen into the sky starts to cool down when it comes to contact with cooler air. And that vapor then becomes a cloud, like we were saying. And that cloud is then pushed around the world by moving air currents and certain types of winds, strong, even light winds, it, mo it moves across the world. If that water vapor starts to cool anything above zero, so usually it's below zero, but once it starts to cool above it, it will slowly turn itself back into water. So that water vapor will start to condense on tiny bits of dust and dirt that rose up into the air from the evaporation. So all this water vapor will start to attach itself to dust and dirt and things like that. And once they start combining, they will start to create tiny droplets of water. And then those tiny droplets of water will start to fall into one another and combine with others to create larger droplets of water. And when that water droplet becomes large enough, Gravity will start to pull it down, and once that gravity is pulling it down, it is able to get through the winds that are usually pushing up against it so it doesn't fall back down, but gravity allows it to hit the ground and bring it down from that wind. And that process is called precipitation, or most commonly known as rain or rainfall. Now, what if there was an area where it was very cold, unlike here where I live in Savannah, Georgia. 
Well, water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. That's where it becomes ice. So any place with that temperature would have their water frozen or below. And so the water droplets that are falling down will start to crystallize and freeze. This thing causes the water to become either solid ice, which is known as hail, and which sometimes can get to the size of baseballs, which is very bad. It can cause damage to cars or windows of houses especially, because they're basically giant balls of ice. Or it can turn into snow. And now there's also something in between rain and snow. It is called sleet. And it happens when the conditions are right between freezing and it's still able to be water. So it's like right in between that 32 degree Fahrenheit every area, but not enough to freeze. And so basically the water droplets, droplets will end up falling as very cold water droplets and halfly frozen water droplets. So it's kind of like a mix of the rain being partly ice and then partly water. And sleet is also very slippery, just like ice, because it's partly frozen like ice, but it still has that normal water property on it. And the next step is precipitation. So once the water from the clouds has fallen, it is then absorbed into the ground, which is known as infiltration. And so things like soil and other types of dirt, like materials, can absorb lots of water in this way from rain. While other things like rocks and hard substances will receive only small amounts of water, but they don't really need it. Um, when the water makes its way into the soil, it will move in all sorts of directions underground. And it will only stop once it finds either a nearby stream, or it will start to sink deeper into the ground known as groundwater storage. And groundwater storage is where the water does not make it out of the soil, and it joins up with other water underground. The water down there can help with the smallest areas of rock or soil under the ground, so it can move into these very tight spaces for any types of rock or soil, anything. And these can also be called aquifers. And it actually explains sometimes why the ground underneath the topsoil, which is the soil at the very top, or what you walk on, topsoil, is damp or sometimes wet. And when an aquifer starts to become too full, though, it will start to leak out onto the surface. And that is commonly known as a spring, and not like a spring like the metal pieces that like are springy, you could, springy, yeah. And springs are those areas that can be often found near formations of rock. And they're usually much smaller bodies of water. They're not very, they're not huge, but they're not small either. Um, and they're usually very clear, their water, because it's water that's been sitting underground, so it hasn't been affected by any types of trash or other things. And if... Though, if the water were to be located near a volcano or any other source of thermal energy, in which thermal energy basically means it's an area with high amounts of heat, it would become a hot spring. And those springs usually have steam rising from them because of their water being so much hotter. And the final step of the water cycle is runoff. And so, after the water has fallen or 
the snow has melted away, gravity will start to take the water down any mountains, hills, or other places with inclines to join or even make new rivers. And an incline is basically just an area that's steep. So if you take a ramp for an example, that's an incline because it it's at an angle, it's not just flat. And that so that process is called runoff. And it is how the, the waters from streams, rivers, anything like that comes to rest in either a lake or an ocean. But it also depends how close it is to the ocean. If it's in the middle of a country, it's more likely going to end in a lake. But sometimes, though, water can fall according to the incline of their area. And so if it makes its own kind of direction or stream flow. And when a bunch of them meet, they can create their own stream in which, so the direction in which the water moves is called that stream flow I just said. And these streams and rivers will eventually either form lakes or make their way into the ocean. So they may join in lakes or like it just said, or um, they can form their own lakes and usually not form oceans because those are kind of big. And due to the amount of water stored in snow or ice, a sudden increase of heat can actually cause flooding sometimes. And this is why flooding can happen very easily in the spring. Because if you have a warm spring happening after this really cold winter, that can cause major flooding in an area because all that snow and ice will melt very quickly. Now, for the part about pollution and how it affects the water cycle... Well, first of all, pollution can just hurt any bodies of water that have already been made before a water cycle has started. And also, let's say there's some trash in some higher areas of a mountain. It's been up there for a while. Then it starts to rain on top of that mountain. And so that rain or water will start to create streams and that trash can be pulled down the mountain to somewhere else. And lastly, the pollutants from fossil fuel, fuels or burning fossil fuels can sometimes affect the process of evaporation, which is the first step needed in the water cycle. So, what did we learn today? We learned each step of the water cycle and what they do. We also briefly learned about how pollution can affect the water cycle. Thank you for listening to Tybee, A Trash Problem.